suffice it to say, I think, I don't know anyone who does as much as you do and does it with so much joy. And it's like, it's like happiness just emanates out of you, which I know from personal experience is not easy (laughs) because there's a lot to do and I don't have kids and I don't have all of, there's so many, uh, things that you are doing on a daily basis that you that I, that I don't do and it blows my mind how happy you are every time I see you. I'm just really happy to see you. Oh, <laughs> I'm always is. happy to see you too, Kristen. What's what's your secret besides besides my face, you yeah. know? Yeah, obviously besides yours. <laughs> um, you know, I think that you know, when your name's on the side of the building, it tends to help, you know, the yes. level of how much you care uh, about what's happening in your place. <laughs> yep. Um, it, it gets a, it gets very personal. My favorite thing is when people say that you shouldn't take work personally. And oh, my God. How is that even possible when you have a restaurant? It's always <laughs> funny when people are like, well, you know, you should really you should be better about leaving work at home, like behind you when you go home. It's like, have you ever, like, done anything that your name was associated with? I don't, like, I, that's, I I am my work. I don't know what to tell Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel the same thing. You said something so, so poignant. Like, I am my work, and I love my work. Um, And I, it just, like, I love kind of all the other aspects of my life with my, my family and my kids. Um, And, but I love to work, and I love work in general. I'm a very busy person. I think (laughs) I, I, during COVID, I was a terrible unemployed um, person. I must have hiked, like, 21 flights of stairs every day and was, utterly bored and trying to think of other things I could do. So I love to work. I think that's <laughs> part of it. I <laughs> um, And yeah, I mean, I go like a million miles per hour. So um, I think that work kind of gives me um, the passion and inspiration in the other parts of my life that um, I think that I'm so much more revitalized at home because of mm. work. But yet, um, sometimes my kids are like, they're very used to a a situation erupting at the restaurant and I have to run out the door. And I think that during COVID, the boys, my boys are older and that they really understood that, geez, the whole restaurant can just go away. Something that I think we all took for granted. Um, And then saw it kind of come back piece by piece. And that really revitalized me as in terms of this legacy and what we're doing that my boys got to watch it all go away. And they got to see mm. it pieced back together, but not in different means. They saw me applying for PPPs and fighting yeah. that battle and going after every grant and after every loan. And my oldest son was my first employee back when we did a regarding her food festival with Jar. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he was the last one when we packed it up. So I think that kind of, you know, the the one good benefit of how what a clip I run at is mm-hmm. that my kids are are following and that they're that's, very busy and have their own lives as well. That's a, an incredible lesson to learn at a young age as a child. But also, you're also selling yourself short with the amount of things you just described yourself doing because you were not only doing all of that for your restaurant, but doing that for everybody else and working on helping people with their application process and outdoor dining. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, you do, 
so much for other people on top of all the stuff you do for yourself. And that's also an incredible thing for your kids to see. So just, you know, just, just take that. (laughs) But, and all, I mean, just go ahead. I think, you know, you and I talked once at the bar um, that, you know, something snapped inside of me during the pandemic of seeing how, um, how frivolous the government was with their decisions, that there was no science, there was no real reasoning. And to see all these hardworking individuals um, that really we earn our money, we don't earn our money on Zoom or conference calls. We earn our money, you know, getting out there and serving people from the owners to certainly the back of the house. And so something just broke inside of me when I realized that the government Mm. wasn't helping our industry and how fragile it was and that how this industry is so special because you don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have the PhDs. You can go from a rags to riches story, American dream story. And so I kind of just figured that nobody in the government was going to help us. Nobody in our local governments, nobody in the state was going to help us. So the great thing about the pandemic is we all started coming out of our restaurants being like, are you underwater too? Are you broke too? Is this (laughs) happening for you? Are you about to go under? And then everybody started helping each other. So I thought that that was, it definitely motivated me to get out there. And and Casa Vega gets a little more response from some of our leaders than other people. And so I figured that out real quick and used it to my benefit and kind of started speaking for everybody smaller because even in the the terms of mom and pops, we're still big, but what about the donut shop down the street that nobody will call back? And so that's really kind of started tugging at my heart. It definitely was a, was enlightening in terms of just realizing how for granted our industry is taken so much of the time where it's just like, oh, they're always going to be there just making food. And, you know, and nobody, I think, I think a lot of us didn't understand how fragile our ecosystem was. Yeah. You know, it's like, I remember, I remember talking to someone in the early days and they were like, oh, well, it's, you know, the, it's, they're just shutting everyone down for two weeks. Like, that's not the end of the world. And I'm like, well, for most restaurants, that two weeks is to pay for last month's produce. Exactly. And then the next two weeks are to pay for this two weeks payroll. Like it's, it's a house of fucking cards. Right. So much of the time you're constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul and figuring it's, it's a constant balancing act. And I, nobody, definitely nobody on the governmental side uh, was aware of that. And I think I talked to so many people in our own industry that had no, didn't realize how fragile their business was. And and everybody's and I, you know, I hoped that I that more more people would take that to heart in terms of really thinking through, you know, rethinking their business models when they did. And then I saw so many people just open new projects and do new things as soon as things can. I was like, guys, <laughs> this is dangerous <laughs> because we're, we're doing all it a again. Insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes it takes a absolute, and I can't fault anybody for that because I've. I've done that so many times. I've opened restaurants in hindsight just to distract from, you know, I opened a restaurant to distract from my divorce, you know, which is <laughs> a, a great, uh, great practice in the most sarcastic <laughs> sense possible. And another phenomenal way uh, besides divorce to lose money. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> it's, and a great, a great ride, you know, highs and lows, highs and lows. Great ride, maybe. <laughs> just <laughs> ride this 
I'm going to ride this carrot toast straight to hell. Um, okay, you covered a lot of ground really, really quickly. And that's one of the amazing things about you. I do that. Um, yeah. You do do that. Yeah. But in, in in that is, are so many things. I think, you know, as you're talking about, you know, your kids seeing the, you know, the possibility of this restaurant, this legacy going away and seeing the legacy of work that you're putting into it. One of the things I wanted to ask you is how, as you've stepped in to really take over, you know, take on your father's legacy with this restaurant and, you know, and the, not just your father, but the, what the restaurant means to the city, uh, how that's, how that's really changed the way you think. I mean, I know you've worked there for a really long time and I, uh, am very fortunate to work with and be, and know a lot of people who have, you know, legacy LA restaurants. And it's so, that's such an interesting part of something because it's, it's your thing and you're growing it and developing it and making it, you know, whatever it's going to be in the future, but you're also, protecting this thing this legacy this this thing that still means your father to you oh yeah it's so it's so nuanced the whole part about taking over such an institution like this um yeah I've worked here for 20 geez 24 years um and in every capacity done every job Um, but my father, the first thing he instilled in me and kind of terrified me with was how important the employee paychecks were and payroll. And so my first job before I was allowed to go to any any culinary school, he made me go to business school because he saw his parents' um, restaurant go under. And so he was very, very much that I had to have a business background. And then once I got here, he made me, he made me pay the bills for two years before I could even step foot in the restaurant. And I thought it was so not fun, um, but necessary. (laughs) And he said, Christy, you have to understand the biggest responsibility you have. And the biggest thing that Costa Vega does is employ its employees. And we pay, we're responsible for all those mortgages, rents, um, families eating. And so that was a huge thing. And then, so I took over the bills and finally then was able to breach into the restaurant and loved every part of it. But it was this massive restaurant that was slam packed. Um, I couldn't see, I kept thinking, where do I fit in? Where nothing's really broken. It's hard to kind of convince the staff, hey, we need to change. We need to do some changes because there's just a two hour wait outside the door. But um, (laughs) I... I started like really observing where I could make my mark in this restaurant. And I have a little bit of a princess complex that I wanted to um, to show that I wasn't, I was going to work harder than everybody else. I was going to work the dirtiest jobs that everybody was. I was not going to be just the princess that got handed the keys. And my dad certainly yeah. was not going to give it that way anyways. Um, but what I realized is that this huge balance of keeping what makes Casa Vega famous, what, what, what the customers come here for, why they want their same food um, every yeah. time they come, and how it's reliable for them. And that that's not a bad thing. Um, so I, what I called it is I just found one area of the bar. And that was my first place that I was like, you know what? This is where I see that we're dated. And this was probably like in 2010. And we were still using mixers and purees and different things. 
And yeah. I thought, nope, um, we're going craft cocktails. We're starting to squeeze <laughs> all our juices. We're going to go, Bob, we're going to really do it nice. We're going to different types of ice. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the bartenders, pure anarchy. Why on earth would we do that? Everybody pure loves anarchy. what we're doing. Long story short, they came on board, and the, <laughs> that was a huge success. Um, we were able to raise the prices of our drinks. The customers were much happier with better quality. So then I think I started catching the eye of my dad of just saying, let's polish what we're doing. Let's not necessarily change, but let's polish. So I upgraded all the food. And so we, we now we carry, you know, 100% hormone-free, all-natural chickens, even everything down that we shred, every piece of product, I upgraded the quality. And that was something that I could do that we didn't necessarily be want to, you know, go out and be like, oh, we've upgraded yeah. everything. But we did. And the customers could tell, you know, every time they came in, the food got better. Everything got better. We brought in Santa Monica Seafood. We brought in different vendors. And it was working. And I think that that's where the stride that I hit was, is to look for opportunities in the restaurant that needed to be improved, such as New Year's Eve, we used to be dead because it was reserva we didn't take reservations. Nobody wanted yeah. a two-hour wait. Well, we were dead. And then I made it into this big party. And the first year, it was like me and my friends and nobody else. <laughs> and then <laughs> years later, it was packed. And now, um, you know, 15 years later, we are packed inside and out with reservations every New Year's Eve. So I think it's kind of just finding where you can yeah. fit into these legacy restaurants, polish them, because it's, it's also very hard. Like, everything at Casa Vega is such a beast. So while it's, we do have built-in clientele, which is so yeah. nice, and we don't really worry about that, my Lord, it's like this, the SOPs redoing the systems. <laughs> like it's, just, it's crazy. I, I have a lot of experience firsthand with how difficult it is to change people who have done something one right? way for a really, really long time. And But to be fair, I think... If I, I I don't think anyone would be able to say no to you for you know too long. There's a uh, it uh, it's you're a very friendly person, but you also scare me a little bit. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, that's the thing. They know I'm not going to go anywhere. So if I'm like, I really yeah. think we should whip the sour cream, and then they're and if they keep ignoring me, I'm just going to yep. show up with the mixer and start mixing yep. it myself. They're like, we should really whip this, or she's never going to get out of our space. It really is just a, a waiting out game. I swear to God, sometimes I'll like I'll come in and change a recipe. And, you know, the guys who've been there for like 38 years are like, we, we don't, we like it the way it is. And I'm like, well, I made it easier for you and it's going to be better too. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want to do it that way. And then every day for three weeks, I come in we fight about it and, and it's a, just a battle every single day. And then the first day of the fourth week, I come in and they're doing it the way I changed it. And I'm like, oh, thank you guys so much. That's incredible. I'm so glad you're, it's so much easier. Right. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. We've always done it this way. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! that's amazing. I'm trying to get the robo coops in, and I'm getting yep. pushed back on that. Like they just think it's just not gonna work. Like really, it's gonna make your job so much easier. Why we don't try to help you? I don't know because every time I say let's get one, you say don't. But I really think we should get one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. Miguel can chop it faster. It's yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Then we're going to lose a whole person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or at least a couple of their fingers. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, so oh that's, my God. It, that is yeah. the hardest thing is it's like, and even my GM said it the day he was like, man, it's just like digging out a big closet. And then every time you turn back, something's kind of unwind. Um, but we love it. And the customers are the best part of Costa Vega. And they're always so loving and wonderful. And I mean, I had one customer, long, long time customer, and, and we just reopened for COVID. And he sent me a note. He's like, you know, I love you and you know, I'm coming four times a week. But my guacamole was a little off today. And I didn't know. I think the guy was new, but I just wanted to know. I ate it and still liked it, but it just was something <laughs> off. And I'll be back three more times this week. So we just... We love our community and our people, and they're so great. And I think that what I'm just really striving to, with Casa Vega is to let everyone know that there's somebody here that really, really cares. There's somebody behind yeah. this restaurant that severely cares about everything. And are we perfect? No. But um, <laughs> let Ooh, me tell yes. you, every day I wake up with how can I make it better? How can I make somebody happier um, than when they leave? And um, how can we improve and how can, how can we grow? And it's like a big game. It's a big challenge. Like if you walk in, it's such an emotional experience between the customer and the restaurant and the people that work there. It's like you walk in. We're so happy to see you. We sit you down. We hope you like your table. And then, um, you know, we serve you and we check in. Is, is it okay? Were you happy? Do you want something else? And you leave and you say, oh, my God, it was so good with a hug. We love you. We'll be back. And honestly, that is what I live for. That Those are like the best yeah. moments. And I don't know quite any other business that has such an emotional connection with the customers that come in. You know, you're you're with these people when they're just feeding their family or they're celebrating a really, you know, a birthday. Somebody's proposing. We've had a bunch of proposals. Proposing somebody. We actually <laughs> had imagine. a divorce one the other day. Speaking of divorce, Ooh. where it was finalizing documents and she stole his car. So he came up afterwards and was like, you know, my car was just stolen. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's... I'm so sorry. Let's call the police. This is terrible. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's just my ex-wife. We're finalizing the papers. <laughs> it's to be expected, you know. Yeah, so we're here. For my lawyer was a little better than happening. her. She's going to get the... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I wanted... There's, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. But one of the other things, you know, I want to talk to you about is... As you've stepped into this role, you know, I think a lot, as you were saying earlier, just seeing, you know, something just really snapped inside of you, seeing the, how overlooked our industry was in general. And as you've stepped into the role and in, in, in multiple capacities, not just with the California uh, Restaurant Coalition, but also the Latino Restaurant Coalition, I think. One of the things that I've always loved about you is that you're not afraid to go against the general consensus is in our, you know, usually fairly liberal industry. Yeah, you know, I'm um, very liberal and I have progressive ideals of myself. Um, yeah. But I, I also, I know what it takes to run a business. And I know that the damage that legislation does, especially in California, to the restaurant industry unintentionally. I don't think the legislators are yeah. out there to specifically, you know, push out restaurants, but they don't know. They've never operated a restaurant. Most of them have never operated a business. So they don't understand what's affecting us and our ability to survive. So 
while some of the ideals seem really nice and lofty to kind of just put your flagpole on, you have to investigate and really look at the issue so much wider because maybe you're putting your flagpole on something that you think that is almost a little self-righteous that you feel good about yeah. because everybody else is kind of trending that way without really looking at what the long-term consequences are of this legislation. And that if maybe if you looked at it with a little more of a business lens, you would see that by doing that and by kind of investigating candidates that aren't, that are, as you said, more for business and to help us survive really enables us to help our employees. And for me, it's securing yeah. that those 80 people that I'm in charge of and that I make sure that their paychecks are paid every two weeks, I need the legislation to help me with that. And so I don't I think it's just as a moral cause and for what we give back to the communities um, and for, for our roles in them. So I think that it, just trying to give people maybe a little um, a little okay. Sometimes people don't know it's okay to also have those, those points of view. And when I started voicing it, I started hearing basically everybody saying thank you for saying it. And so I, I begin yep. to think we all kind of feel this way and have these feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> and hopefully if we can yeah. start voicing them and, you know, at the end of the day, we're all artists, we're, we're curators, we're celebration. Yeah. We are warm, charitable people. That is our and industry. We yes. are that that's yeah. who we are, but we also need yeah. help to survive. And we are not bad yeah. people for asking for help and actually kind of demand it. And I think that's where we've got to get with our legislators is when we all that's, unite. That's a good keyword. When we all unite, yeah. we're very, very powerful. As we saw with Al Fresco and different things that have happened, when yeah. everybody's united, we're kind of unstoppable. So I'm hoping that that could maybe be a new trend and that just because we're pro-business does not mean we are anti-anything else. No, no. And I think it's it isn't about being anti anything else. I think it's, you know, like you said, so many of our, you know, legislators and, you know, community leaders don't have any idea how a restaurant works. And so many of our restaurant owners are not in, are have their head down just trying to like survive yeah. and they don't have, they have no concept of how local politics work. They have no concept and no time to even figure that out. And so I think it's, you know, like there was a great keyword you had in there is demanding, but it's like without, without people who are willing to do that, there's nobody who ha has the time inclination or ability on either side of it. Yeah, definitely not the politicians because that's no. just work for them. That's yeah. just stuff on their to-do yeah. list. We, by helping us. That's why lobbyists exist. Yeah, yeah, that just makes a bunch of work that they have to do. So they don't want to. But what I kind of realized is, but you know who does want it done? Are the constituents, are the people of LA yeah. and the people of California. They love their restaurants and they love their neighborhood joints and they want to support us. And that was also some of the loudest voices we heard with alfresco when i really started banging the drum on that um i had so many of my own customers write letters do news stories 
about how passionate they were that alfresco hmm. should stay. So I think that what and I what I try and get with the California Restaurant Association try and make this heard to everybody is that we we have the power through the through our neighborhoods, through the people that we serve. Yeah. If we can activate them, that will also make the legislatures move and that's often why I turn to press with it because what really makes a move is getting shamed in 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 a story. Whether it's Jen Harris coming yeah. out that I'll, we were getting a sucker punched with Alfresco, or somebody else bringing out something, these are the things that really move the dial, and um, and that's yeah. again why we all kind of need to activate. And um, we're very beloved. If you want to change the game, you got to play the game. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and you're right. I think that the the one of the things that the pandemic did is it you know it did make people realize not just restaurateurs but consumers and diners how quickly that could all go away right and we all really like our neighborhood restaurants we all really like our places that we go to that feel like a a warm blanket you know that's just like are you know the adventurous young chefs trying new things that are like fun to go experience and then the the cozy places that you want to just like hide out in a back booth and have your margarita and your you know it's just it's it is those places are important and they're important for like you, you know, like you said it's it's the same as art and all these other elements of community and civilization there's they're they're important for development and and general happiness as human beings. They are, and I've been trying um, lately to convince some of the leaders that you know, out of these billions of dollars that it's being funneled in <laughs> to the city for um, the unhoused, which I'm super glad that they can yeah. build everything they can. But I think that possibly since one billion didn't really help the situation a whole lot, that maybe out <laughs> of this next couple billion that's rolling in, that I propose to Bass, I propose to council people, why don't you give a small business carve out? Because it's not just yeah. the city that's in this crisis. It's all the brick and mortars on the street, too, that are helping to, yes. you know, we lost a lot of our city services. So we're cleaning our own sidewalks and our gutters. We don't get sweep, sweep or street cleans anymore. So, but what if some, the LA city with all of this, the crime and the unhoused and everything that they're doing, hopefully Mayor Bass, I think she's going to try and get a handle on this. Um, but in the meantime, pump some money into these little tiny small businesses. And if you did that, maybe we'd be manifesting such better things. All of LA's time and mm -hmm. energy and all of our money and all of our focus is going for the unhoused, which I'm happy. And I think that that definitely needs to be addressed the way that we've been letting Angelinos live on the street too long is, is not it's not yes. saying it's not humane, but um, what if we started actually focusing and putting some energy into good things, into the little yep. donut shops on the street, and even you know I, I noticed like our local fish shop is no longer in business, and our bike shop is no longer in business, and the parrot place went out on Ventura Boulevard, mm. all these little places. And that's what yeah. makes a town, and that's what makes LA, and those are the people that are out there. And also keeps people off the street, off because the street. they have jobs. Has jobs, 
jobs. It's, it's preventative instead of yes, and sales yeah. tax to pay for mental, you know, facilities for those that aren't able to. And the, you know, the little store owners are the ones that put on street parades and that really love their community. So it's also trying to switch the po- the the politicians from you know we just focus on everything that's so bad and that maybe if yeah. we started focusing some not not all but some resources on some good positive things and food is one of them food nightlife um that's where people go they laugh they celebrate and i think that that's something that la uh, you know before covid i mean i think that we were the best food scene in the nation hands down and and so that's what la should be charging behind and that's what i'm trying to inspire our local leaders is to get behind your restaurants and the food scene and that that's something that Uh, you can also take to the ballot (laughs) Yeah, and I think creating positive, you know, positive momentum, it's, it, you know, you brought up press a little bit ago as a very, very useful tool in getting people to, you know, realize how uh, important things are to the community. But I think, you know, the negative stories and the, the fear mongering is the thing that sells the most newspapers and sells the most, you know, I know newspapers aren't really a thing anymore, but like, it's the thing that gets everybody to click on the little icon on their screen. Right. Because they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. And it, I mean, this has been going on forever. It was the, like, yeah. you know, razor blades and apples at Halloween and all the thing. You know, it's just, like, the things that you're just, like, three three incidents happened. But now, like, the entire nation is terrified, you know. And because that it is, it's, like, it's it, there's, it triggers a, a mechanism in our brains. It's, like, we're afraid. So we're, like, we need to know all about it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important to balance that with the positive and it's so important to, you know, this ties in with the homeless, the unhoused issue as well. It's really hard to see an actual short-term solution because it's, it's wonderful to provide housing. And I think very important, it's important to keep people off the streets, but it's also as long as people are not well mentally, it's not going to fix their problems. It's not going to, you know, help them be a part of society just by putting them in houses. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be providing housing, but I think there's, there's just so much, uh, there's so much that can be done. Like you were saying, it's just like, just, just taking a carve out of some of these funds to like start injecting them into the community and revitalizing these different communities. And, as a country, I feel like we're just, and I'm not trying to be a, a downer, but I think we're just, we've just been going so long on this, like, okay, throw money at the problem, build a bunch of houses instead of, okay, we need to improve our education system. We need to start taking the actions now that will make this not an issue in 50 years. I, I totally agree. And I, I don't know what it is, but I plan to be a noisy little voice wherever I can be. The government has to take some own accountability. You know, we just, as with the California yep. Restaurant Association State Board meeting in Sacramento, we had the director of OSHA. And he was telling us all the new requirements that restaurants are going to be underregulated this, um, this year. And one of them was we all have to have a workplace um, safety prevention program, which we already do at Costa Vega. Um, but <laughs> it was, yes, um, for the, if you have issues with an unhoused, if somebody comes into your place with a gun, if somebody comes in and beats up your employee, like what, what are you going to do to keep your employees safe? So I kindly raised my hand and said, sir, I can tell you exactly what I do to keep my employees safe from armed security seven nights a week to, you know, investing 30000 
thousand in lighting to doing this to eliminating cash so nobody's doing cash runs or carrying cash or walking yeah. with cash and listed it and I said, but you know what's missing is what is the state's workplace prevention um, program for their small businesses because we have it for our employees where is the states for ours because when prop 47 was passed where we decided that we were not going to put people with severe drug addictions into jail we were going to put them in mandated rehab facilities we funded 30 million dollars of taxpayer money four years ago for this it never got built. These facilities never got built. Um, the drug rehabs never got built. So I, you know, it kind of feels, and I pointed out, hey, when you're talking to Governor Newsom or the higher ups, yeah. can you let them know that we need help too? Because if there was more mental facilities that we could get people help and more drug rehabilitations and different things, then that would take place. That would really take a lot of the workplace safety that's not happening in, in our places, that would alleviate it. Yeah. But we pay these big taxes and we have this government that's supposed to help us govern and legislate and they really don't. They kind of work against us and then turn around and say, hey, Christy, how are you going to keep everybody <laughs> safe while, you know, it's a zoo out there? And while I am, and because that is definitely yeah. my moral obligation and my right, it would really help if the state could help. And that's what I said. Who's going to help us? Can you please help the small businesses? We really, really need it. And the guy was totally taken aback and came up to me afterwards yeah. and said, you know, I knew it was hard running a restaurant, but hearing you pleading for help, it really kind of tugged at my heart. I didn't know it was that hard. And I said, it is. And that's why it's important that people are at the, you know, it's, it is extremely thankless work in so many ways because city council meetings are a speaking of zoos. Um, there's always somebody in a bunny suit, you know, <laughs> trying to have a, a conversation. It's unbelievable, but I think it it is so important because we, you know, and we keep rehashing this, but I think there is just such a lack of awareness of what everybody goes through, and I think it's important that people are made aware and reminded consistently. And uh, I do not envy you that role, <laughs> but I am very grateful that you're doing yeah. it. Yeah, the city council meetings <laughs> are my favorite where I show up and there's like a, a weird <laughs> man and it's got scraggly hair behind me and a goat, the puppet, and he and he <laughs> mocks me. Everything I oh say, my he God. carrots and mocks me. I've seen me. that guy. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. And just like, what? How is and I think he has definitely speaking of correct. mental health facilities. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Start in the city council meeting and I you know yeah. if Paul Kaporian's <laughs> listening, I'm trying to get a hold of him to say, pull you know, pull your shit together a little bit in city council. Like we have to be able to come. <laughs> yeah, we need to be able to come without being shouted down by some guy with a puppet on his hand. This is not helpful. No. No, or maybe oh I just roll in with you and a bunch more people and we all have our own puppets. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Hey, you know what? I will wear a puppet on my hand. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just shout everybody else down until Christy gets stuck. That made me very happy. You know, if you can't if you can't beat them, join yeah, them. That's, that's right. What, <laughs> the end of the day. That's right. <laughs> okay, so all of that aside, how the living fuck are you always so goddamn happy <laughs> like where where are you finding your your joy you know i i know your family is a big part of that like 
I try as much as I can to be a very positive, happy person because that's, you know, nobody needs uh, another person talking about all their problems all the time. There's enough people doing that. And I'm really tired of complaining people who don't have solutions for anything. It is, isn't it? It's the fastest way to just get me to walk away from a conversation. Just like, oh, okay. (laughs) So you're just telling me everything that's wrong in the world. And you don't have any, nothing? You're not doing anything to do anything about it? You just want to come? Okay, cool. I don't have any. There's a really good quote that says, stay away from negative people because they have a problem for every Mm -hmm. solution. And I thought, that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. A problem for every solution. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, we, I, I know we all have our, our days and there's so many things that happen every single day that could easily yes. get you down. I've had people ask me, it's like, how do you, how the, like, I know what you do every day. Like, how the fuck do you get out of bed? And it's just like, well, you know, there's stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Just not keep moving forward? Like. <laughs> You know, for myself, I feel like it's a general, I, I have a general uh, level of as long as I'm above ground and I'm not six feet under, there's nothing I can't come back from. There's nothing we can't keep moving on. And it's, it, you just need that general sense of like buoyancy. But where, <laughs> where do you get yours? Because you're an unbelievably buoyant person. Uh- that's it's kind of just me I I I do kind of run like this um (laughs) but I I, like I said sometimes I think I have so much energy I need to get it out one way but what I do like you and I I watch it all the time on your social media is I exercise like crazy and um I think you know I I I haven't always been maybe I've always been peppy but I, I wasn't as always well balanced certainly when the kids were young too and I made a commitment to myself to really try and pie out my life of things where I felt myself um, outside of being a mom, outside of being a boss. What did I, well, who was that Christy? And so I grew up a dancer. Um, so I started, I, I dance throughout the week. I, I, I take lessons. I go to classes. I also work out in other areas. And that makes me feel I remember the Christy before I had so much responsibility and so much weight. And so if I can kind of get in touch with that person and when I dance, I don't think about anything. And when I work out the same way, my because I'm just trying not to drop the weight or not yeah. fall over my feet, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I don't think. And for me not to think is such a relief. Like that's the biggest gift because yeah. I'm always thinking. Um The exercise is so helpful, but that, that like hour every day, first thing in the morning when I just, there is nothing, I, I'm not thinking about anything because everything hurts so fucking bad. And I'm just like, all I got, I just got to keep hitting this fucking thing. I got to keep going. I got to keep holding this plank. I got to keep whatever it is. And it's just like that release of like all of all of the channels that are always going in your head all the fucking tracks everything going on all that just stops for a minute yes and it's 
unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's almost like, you know, I'll meditate sometimes and I, I, I can try and do that. It's, I'm trying to get better at it. But it's kind of like my meditation because my brain's not thinking in the past or in the present or in the future. It's just, it's it's nowhere. It's just don't fall over or don't throw up. Like it's do here. something <laughs> like that. So that's huge. Um, and I also, you know, I do art and different things. And again, just kind of going back to like who, who I was before um before all this and then what's what's really nice now is that I had kids young um I had my first child at 26 so he's out the door and in college and the rest of them are right behind so it's kind of this new um you just hurt my brain because I I I thought you were about 28 so (laughs) oh I love you so much um But yeah, so it's wonderful. So now I feel like I've got like a whole new second act and I don't have to be a needy mom. Um, I think that's always been a concern for me too, is to make sure that I had enough of a full life that I, because I don't have any girls, I have only boys, um, that I will be very fine when they leave the nest and launch into their own lives. And so... Um, So I have to say that I'm really enjoying as the boys get older and I can... This sounds ridiculous, but I can work more. <laughs> and travel, and travel. I love to travel. Oh, that's okay. Travel's travel good. good. I think it's better. It's better. I'm worried if you work too much more. I don't know. I don't know if the city's going to be able to handle it. Just... <laughs> yeah. The last time we were talking, last time we talked at the at the restaurant, we were talking about some of your projects. I was like, oh, that's right. She just needs. She's, she needs other outlets. She's got more, <laughs> more more shit to do. She's got more shit to say. <laughs> I do. You know, there's there's more slivers in that pie chart. <laughs> yes, this is why this brain, it needs to like simmer down sometimes. It's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'll just wake up and be like, ooh, maybe I should do like Christmas lights. Maybe that's a good side gig. Armando and Jose, we could put up signs. I could design them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got some guys. Christie's Christmas light service. <laughs> Hey, the best decorated houses in town. Yeah. Before you know it, you'll have a Christmas tree lot back there. You'll That's have... right. So it would be fun. And I would think that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the amount of time, it's like the amount of people who are always telling me, they're like, you know, every time we're sitting with somebody and they bring up a a business idea that you're like, oh, that's really good. You don't have to do it. <laughs> every time like you you know you're like you have a really full plate you don't need to have like seven more projects on top of the ones you're doing i'm like well but it's a good it's a good idea i think you know we should do it i've got an extra 10 minutes today you know let's do it (laughs) let's do it even just even just taking you know the like 45 minutes to an hour to sit down and 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 do these is it's it's such a joy because I truly am uh in awe of the fact that I get to talk to people like you and get to know people like you it's uh I I'm I'm calling this podcast carpetbagger <laughs> because it's such a, it is such a it, there's you know there's so many connotations to that word but it it feels it feels like uh I feel like such a carpetbagger sometimes, you know, it's like you, you're, you're this, I don't exactly know how I ended up here. I don't know exactly how I ended up in this business. Um, but I'm really grateful to be here and I'm beyond grateful to 
uh, be a part of an industry like this and be friends with people like you who do all that you do and are just on top of everything else, just truly wonderful people. And a, and in your case, a wonderful person. <laughs> Singular that one out. Um, because it is uh, really, really hard. It's a really, really hard business. It's really, really difficult. And I know so many people who struggle just getting through their day every day and dealing with all the stresses and pressures. And I know seeing you doing everything you're doing and doing it with a positive attitude and with so much joy and so much passion for it and so much love. And then still, you know, meeting up with Joe and going dancing and doing it's like all of the things it is. I know that that I know it's inspiring to me. And I know it's a something that keeps so many people in this industry buoyed up. So I'm just, you're incredible. Oh, I love you, Bryce. <laughs> love you too. Thank we should do this more often. We should do this yeah. more often. We should <laughs> yeah, also yeah. do this just at your restaurant over drinks. <laughs> we really should. Yeah. <laughs> I owe you a rain check from the other weekend. I'm always heartbroken when I go there. Four or five. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't PM. don't worry. Yeah. It, for Casa Vega, I'll 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 sit in an hour and a half of traffic any fucking day. Oh, I love you, Bryce. Thank you. <laughs> well, I hope you have a truly incredible day, and I so thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate it.